0: The episode you are about to hear contains explicit words. The opinions within are those of the hosts and in no way imply that anyone listening to this
1: podcast agrees with anything we say. Please send complaints to thisflippinpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of this on Podcast. I am Thomas Skinner, joined, as always, by Taylor Reese. But more importantly today, we have a very special guest, a friend of the show, a friend in real life, an incredibly talented man. He does all sorts of amazing things while working as a college professor, maintaining a family life, being involved in the pinball community, the comic book community, the watch community, the neon community, you guys know him as Ryan Clater, and we just know him as Ryan. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Tommy, thanks for that
2: killer introduction. I don't know what to say now. Thank you. I I left some stuff out, I'm sure. You, you, you left uh, a lot
0: out. Yeah, but uh, Ryan is a was very plenty. busy, was plenty. And very talented man, and he is here on this special episode Uh For a lot of reasons, uh, but mostly because we want to talk about his latest project, A Hunter's Tale, a comics poem written by his own grandfather.
2: Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me on here, both Tommy and Taylor. Uh, It's great to chat with you guys. It's always nice to to catch up. And uh, yes, as Tommy mentioned, I have a new project That has nothing to do with pinball. So I thank you especially for having me on the show. Uh, So this is really cool of you guys. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, uh, Tommy mentioned I have been illustrating a poem that my late grandfather wrote almost 40 years ago now. And my grandfather left behind this this body of creative work, you know, a, a series of poems. And this one in particular has always resonated with me whenever i go through these poems i'm like stopped dead in my tracks when i get to a hunter's tale when i first heard the title of the poem i'm like oh man i don't even know if i want to read this poem or not (laughs) because i i'm i'm not a hunter uh but ultimately this poem is about these two very different subjects a hunter and his prey and uh ultimately they're unlikely relationship that they form this, uh, essentially this reciprocated empathy for one another, you know, they both kind of see one another's point of view and sort of come to an agreement, um, that is, I think unexpected. And, uh, I just can't wait to share my grandfather's work with the world, um, you know, in a much greater capacity than I think he probably ever suspected it would be. So for the past six months, I've been taking his poem and illustrating it in comic book form. And now there is a Kickstarter live at www.ahunterstale.com. That'll take you right to the Kickstarter. And uh, and you can check it out and see if it's something that might uh, tickle your fancy. So uh, I'm certainly open to any thoughts or questions or, or anything about the project you guys have Taking a look at the Kickstarter page, so uh, I don't know. You let me know what you think.
1: Well, I, I want to thank you as well for uh, coming on and talking about it. I, you know, I, um, I've been a fan of your work for a while. You know, I have i I own work of yours. Um, uh, obviously, this book is not necessarily pinball related, but I think you are entrenched in the pinball hobby with the work that you've done for you know Stern Pinball, um, going back to the pinball podcast, your project with. Nick Baldridge, um, the Coinop Carnival, your, the watches you've done with Mister Jones, um, two as of now. Um, so certainly, like any any project that you're working on, I think is something that is something that the pinball community can support. Um, I think the the Kickstarter, um, I think it looks great. I know that you know the Kickstarter basically gives you a preview of eight pages, um, and, and knowing your work and, and knowing the process that you go through to create your work. Um, I will say like, I think a lot of the, um, what what are the rewards that people are able to get? One, just being able to purchase a book for $10, which is one of the rewards is a, um, really affordable almost no-brainer way to support you as a creator. And but I'm curious as as a creator like going to Kickstarter cuz I know you've used it before, like what do you like about that platform as a way to publish your work?
2: Yeah, well, thank you for highlighting the and physical rewards here. So as Taylor mentioned, you can get this book for 10 bucks and that includes shipping. So like you're out the door for 10 bucks flat. Yeah. Um like no brainer. I, I had a number I had a number of people telling me early on that's not enough. You need to charge more. And I don't know. I just want this to be a really easy buy like Taylor just said I, I want this to be a no-brainer for people. Um So anyway, I I hope that works. I hope that gets it into more people's hand because ultimately that's what I want to do is, you know, spread my, my grandfather's poem as far and wide as possible. That's why I'm speaking with more than just comics podcasts, you know, pinball podcasts. I'm talking to watch folks. And ultimately I think this poem, this comic can speak to many different audiences. So, uh, so there's that. And thank you again, Taylor. Um, but why do I go back to Kickstarter? Well, um I am very interested in comics but I'm really interested in independent alternative comics. So like not necessarily the the big two like Marvel and DC, all the superhero stuff that, you know, we all know about, but more like what are um independent voices talking about? What is happening in underrepresented communities? What comics are not necessarily on the shelves of the comic book store because they don't have a wide distribution. And Kickstarter has become this place for independent comics online. It has shown a huge growth. Like I I had uh, Oriana Leckert speak to my uh, university comics class just a few months ago and she is the comics and community outreach manager at Kickstarter. So she's got her fingers on the pulse of this. and. She was talking about stats where comics projects would fund successfully on Kickstarter around like the 50 percent mark, like about half of them would fail. And that was, you know, for a number of years. And then they slowly started increasing to like low to mid 50 percent success rate. But then in 2020, it hit this like very high Uh, 60s, I think low 70s, like 71% success rate in 2020. And when I talked to her just a few months ago in September of 2021, she was saying that 2021 was already tracking to beat 2020. And I think that the success rate of comics projects on Kickstarter is due in large part to this community that's building up around it. You know, in pinball, we're used to this tight-knit, pinball community. You know, everybody coming together, a show comes out, you bring your machine, uh, you share what you have with the world in hopes that more people learn about pinball. Well, it's kind of a similar community that's being built up on Kickstarter around comics because you look at somebody who's launching a, a comics project on Kickstarter and you can see their stats like they've launched one or two or five campaigns, but they've backed like 50 or 75 or 100 campaigns. So they're not just coming to Kickstarter and asking for money. They're a part of this community. And when you go to different communities within Kickstarter, like a tech community or, or something else, those stats are way different. Like I see a ton of tech projects coming out on Kickstarter where it's like first project, zero backed. Like they just have no investment in the community. But comics are very different from that. And I think that that's a really exciting thing to be a part of um and also on top of that kickstarter is a platform that like when i first started doing comics and like the early aughts uh it was just it, it was non-existent and you had to you know bootstrap everything yourself meaning pay for the printing but with kickstarter it's like if you succeed in your funding goal you instantly have the print run of your book paid for, and then maybe more. It's a heck of a promotional platform, in addition to a fundraising platform. So for all those reasons, that's why I go back to Kickstarter, and I'm so excited about it.
1: When you, when you were setting your goal, was there like how did you come up with your goal? I, I, I just because it's like looking at it, it's kind of an odd number to me. Um, is it just like you're looking at publishing a certain number? Or, yeah, what is it like? Is there just a hard number that you're aiming for?
2: Yeah, so if you scroll down on that Kickstarter page, I know it's a little bit long, but there's actually a pie chart that I illustrated explaining exactly where each portion of the money comes from. And I was very exact about it. So the majority of it is going to fund an offset print run. So for those who are not, you know, print nerds like me offset printing is like professional printing the way that you know big published books are printed it mean typically means that you have to print like at least 1000 copies before it makes sense to offset print something versus print on demand or digital printing which are essentially the same thing you can print in very low print runs but the quality is a little bit different it's it's becoming closer to offset printing in terms of quality but i would still say that Offset printing is of higher quality. So that's what I wanted to do was make an offset print run of this book. So I got that quoted for a thousand copies. And in addition to that, I also have to ship and buy shipping materials and, uh, you know, make these books get into people's hands. So I factored in uh, shipping materials and shipping costs as well as the Kickstarter fees um, so once you put all that together, the very precise number was, I think, uh, 2,224 bucks, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so that's why it's kind of an odd number because I was very precise about things and I wanted to be, uh, make sure that I could cover all my costs. And if I do that, you know, the rest is gravy.
1: Do you want to, you want to talk a little bit about, cause you have, I, I am a, I collect, Art. Um, I collect art in all, I mean, I collect a lot of work. Um, And one of the things that I think is amazing with your project is not only the opportunity for people to buy this book at an incredibly reasonable price, um, but also the opportunity to buy some of the original artwork used in the book. Is that something that you have done in the past and can you talk a little bit about some of the rewards as far as like the actual
2: like original artwork that will be available or is available? Sure. So, uh, this is the first time that I am offering my original artwork from the book in a Kickstarter or a crowdfunding campaign, but you're right. I have every single page from the book available on the Kickstarter campaign. So if you want an interior page, you can get that for 150 bucks. And along with that, you also get a signed copy of the book and a couple of limited edition prints. So really you're like out the door for original artwork for, you know, if you factor all the costs in, uh, plus shipping and everything, like probably under hundred bucks, which is a little bonkers. That's a little, that's a
1: little crazy. yeah (laughs) thank you i mean as a Uh, as a collector as a collector of because i i own some of your i own one of your drawings that you did for coin op carnival um and i own you know i own a i i really i really love to collect work done by friends of mine um yeah like when i saw 150 for an original piece of art used in a
2: published book i was yeah i was pretty blown away by that Well, thank you. I, uh, I, like I said, I want this to be an accessible campaign and I'm hoping that, you know, I can really make some noise about this book for all the reasons I mentioned, you know, this is a super personal project to me, but I also feel like the message in this book is something that's really important and needs to be heard right now. You know, we've all been through the past two years together right and like not just the pandemic but you know all the divisiveness that have come along with it and so many distressing challenging times along the way too and the message of this book is really about coming together having those difficult conversations with people that you're not familiar with with outlooks that you're not in agreement with and still trying to come to some sort of an understanding of one another not even an agreement but an understanding of where one another comes from and i think our diplomacy has just gone out the window in recent years you know especially when it's so easy to uh defriend and you know mm-hmm. sort of annex yourself into your own um, you know, a uh, group of like-minded opinions, you know, that's, that's dangerous. And I feel like this poem that was written decades ago is so resonant right now. And I, I really want to share that with people.
1: Um, can you tell us a little bit or a lot about your grandfather? <laughs> and, um, I mean, obviously you guys had a special relationship and his story inspired you right to create this book. So what yeah like what's yeah tell us a little bit about the person behind the poem.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'd I'd love to. Um so uh I I mentioned that I am not a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I do not Tommy even knows I've been on a fishing boat with him and I did not touch the fishing pole. I can't even <laughs> like I can't even put the worm on the hook. Like I was Tommy I was trying to say nothing and let you kind of take the reins cuz I didn't want to like pass on my uh aversion to fishing to my son and like yeah tommy knows how to do it so anyway thank you for teaching <laughs> my son how to fish hey, it was an honor. <laughs> but uh, but yeah I can't even I, I can't even thread a worm through a hook or if we get a fish like holding it and having it just, like squirm around like none of that I, I can't I can't do any of it but with that said my grandfather was a hunter and that seems like we're sort of at odds, right? But when I think about his story, you know, he grew up in the Midwest in a tiny town called Alma, Illinois. And he was diagnosed with tuberculosis at a very young age, you know, in the early 1900s. And so when I, uh, from my understanding, that's pretty much a death sentence at that time. So they told him, if you have any chance of getting better, you've gotta head out to the deserts of Arizona and hope that the dry desert air will dry up your tb and make you better maybe who knows yeah. get out of here so <laughs> off he went to live off the land in arizona and when he was out in the deserts you know he had to fend for himself he had to hunt his own food and he had a, a 22 rifle with him but he could only take one shot because there was a game warden who would hear that shot and if he took a second shot the game warden could find him and bring him in put him in jail and then he would not be out in the climate that he needed to be and then that would be you know life-threatening literally so because he could only take one shot at his food he got to be a really good shot like he was an expert marksman so um you know, if I put myself in those shoes, like essentially having a death sentence and being tossed out into the wilderness, would I, you know, woman up and start killing my own food? And like, yeah, I probably would. I probably would do that and get over myself. You know, I, I understand that I am in a very privileged position to be so removed from that, so removed from uh, harvesting my own food, whether that's vegetables or animals or what have you, it just shows up, you know, (laughs) like, I I don't think we think about that a whole lot. But you know, when I think about my grandfather's story, uh, you know, it was just such a wildly different way of being in the world. And that's the kind of thing that I hope people can take some time to think about, you know, there's a different opinion from me. Well, they're stupid. Well, maybe not maybe they just have a different experience than you do so instead of condemning people so quickly i hope that this will encourage folks to take a minute and 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 think a little bit before casting judgment
1: your your grandfather as a as a writer like as a poet was this something that you knew about like you had a relationship with him that and this was part of it because as a creative and having a grandfather that was a creative, a creator, creative. Um, yeah, did you guys share that or was it something like later in life? I think one of the things that's really interesting about like general generational separation, like, you know, not your not your parents, but your grandparents. like when we're when I think about my grandparents, when I became a part of their life, they already lived like several lives, right? Especially like when you get older, and you look back, and you're like, "Oh wow, back when I was younger, I was a different person." Um, so, I'm interested in knowing, like, what type of connection as a creative you had with your grandfather, also as a creative.
2: Yeah, totally. And you you bring up some really good points there too about living multiple lives. And changing so much. This is a conversation my wife and I were just having today. I was I was telling them, I was looking back through some early comics of mine. They're autobiographical. And there was some stuff on, in there I was writing about. And I was just cringing so hard. Like, how could I have ever been so naive and brazen? And <laughs> like, what was I thinking? And so it, it kind of make, made me think about my own students, you know, my, I teach university courses and sometimes I wonder the same thing, like, man, what was I ever that dumb? <laughs> and yeah, I sure was <laughs> Like yeah. looking back at some of my own documentation. I was an idiot. Like, so it makes me think about the way I interact with people in a different way. But, uh, to get back to your question about my grandfather and his creative side. Yeah. Um, so his, poetry was something he did later in life. And I grew up having this booklet of his poetry that was essentially like a self-published zine that was put out by his church. Uh, They collected a, a, a number of his poems and, you know, it was like one of the half page folded stapled numbers. And it probably had like, I don't know, maybe two or three dozen poems in it. And that booklet is something that I essentially grew up with and remember, always remember it being in my life. Um, So the poems uh, have always been there for me, but I think when he was alive, I was not old enough or maybe mature enough to really sit down and have a conversation with him about that. And I, I wish I could, I, I wish I was able to have the wherewithal or, have him in my life longer so that I could have had a better conversation with him about that you know in in a way maybe this collaboration on this comic is you know somewhat my attempt to do that um so so yeah the poems have always been with me as long as I can remember uh but as far as you know getting down in the creative weeds with my grandfather, that never happened.
1: (laughs) But was, I mean, your your growth as an artist, um, was that something that, like, he was aware of? Was there a connection there?
2: By the time he passed away, I was, uh, I think I was around high school age. And, you know, I was... Uh, doing art but I don't know that I could classify myself as an artist you know I mean what are you doing when you're in high school you're you're figuring things out yeah and, you know doing dumb stuff yes. and I was the same way so I don't think I had really created anything of note <laughs> at that point at least in my opinion uh you know when I was five years old, I was drawing my Care Bears. And when I was eight years old, I was drawing Donald Duck. And when I was 10 years old, I was drawing Grew the Wanderer and trying to be Sergio Aragones. But it was nothing that was like from a, a personal voice. Right, no, yeah. It was just me trying to figure things out and emulate my heroes. Because uh, at that time, you haven't had enough life experience to really say anything that interesting i don't think yeah. at least i didn't at the time anyway so yeah uh I, I don't think he really saw man i i wish i could have shared coin op carnival with him i wish i could have shared this collaboration with him that would have been amazing
1: did you um because your work your, a lot of your comic work is very it's autobiographical and at what mm-hmm. point in your career did you get to that because I, I i mean you know people who do self portraits who can reflect on themselves in such a way that they can express it and are are willing to share that with people that they don't know is kind of a big step i think and like where in your um where in your creative process did you decide that that is kind of the way that you were going to take your comics
2: um Very early as I started creating comics, that was kind of the route that I took. Um, Shortly after undergrad, I was getting back into comics in a big way. You know, I I read when I was a kid, uh, you know, the Disney Duck books really early, probably six, seven years old. And then as I got a little bit older, maybe eight or nine, I started appreciating satire a little more and started reading stuff by Sergio Aragones, who, you know, he's been doing the Mad marginals and mad magazine for over 50 years and doing his own creator work on, uh, grew the wanderer for over 30 years at this point. And, um, so, uh, that was uh, around the time I got to high school, I kind of left comics for about a decade. And when I got back into them shortly after college, uh, I started reading a whole bunch and, uh, the things that I was gravitating toward were, nonfiction comics you know like autobiographical or biographical or historical or historical fiction type of comics like those are the things i found myself reading the most and enjoying the most so when i started trying my hand at comics it was kind of a a logical step to try my hand at the thing i was enjoying which was autobio and true to life comics so that's kind of how i started doing autobio stuff um but it's 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 been a little bit since I've done auto bio comics. Um, you know, when I stepped away to do coin op carnival, I I'd say that was still nonfiction, but, um, it wasn't autobiographical. And then the same is true with this comic too. This, this is not about me. Um, it's really visualizing my grandfather's words. Um, so, so it's been a little bit since I've dipped my toe into, into auto bio.
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess it's just a matter of like, it's, um, I mean, I think of comics and like traditionally you think of like characters, like, I mm-hmm. don't, you know, fiction, fantasy, you know, but your work is, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know what the genre is called at that for comics. of
2: Yeah. It's, it's pretty grounded in reality. Yeah. I would say I have a hard time with fiction, <laughs> uh, creating it. I, I don't mean intaking it. I, I love reading fiction, but whenever I sit down to create, it's it's typically true to life nonfiction stuff. I was kind of curious because
0: knowing both of you for several years and like we said, we're openly, we are all friends. And I, I think that's one of the reasons we're so happy to have you on here is because I was always taught like when your friends are doing something, you support them in any way you can. So we're happy to have you do that. Uh, I don't have the creative brain that you guys have. That's just not the way I work. It's why my degree is in history and I love history. But I think like when I break down what history is, it's it's really storytelling. Mm -hmm. And like how much of that was a uh, factor and uh, motivation for you in creating this, you know, like you said, you're retelling your grandfather's story. But how important was that for you to create that to share with your son now?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely thoughts of legacy here. I mean, I want my grandfather's work to live a longer life than he ever expected it would. And I think by printing a thousand of these things, at least (laughs) that'll get into a thousand more hands than he thought they would, you know? Um, And I, I hope that my son... Uh, appreciates that sort of legacy and uh, who knows, maybe he'll continue it. Maybe he won't. I have, I have no idea what he'll do with his life. My son is eight right now. So, you know, lots of years ahead. Um, But yeah, hopefully he'll have some sort of appreciation for the creativity in his family's past. Um, I know my dad does, you know, I've been sharing these pages with my dad, of course, every step of the way. And, and my favorite line of his has been, I can't wait for you to finish this book so I can brag about my dad and my son in one sentence. (laughs) So should be fun.
1: The, um, Oh, go ahead, Tommy.
0: I was just going to say, uh, one thing I was going to recommend coming from our our pinball community, as you said, you have your precise budget down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, has there been any thought of copying the uh, premium LE pro style models and <laughs> doing this as like a a first run LE or any sort of thing like that to motivate, motivate support? Has that crossed your mind thanks to the pinball
2: world? So I have definitely had suggestions and there is a parallel in the comics world where typically they will not just release a comic with a standard cover they'll also release it with a variant cover or two variants or multiple variants. And so the mega collectors will want everything. And so they'll buy a cover a b c and z, you know. But that just reeks of capitalism to me and makes me really uncomfortable especially with a project that is this personal. I don't want any uh scent of <laughs> like Oh, you're just trying to capitalize off this thing, and you know, milk is for as much money as you possibly can. it's it's not something I'm interested in. Even the variant trend in comics makes me very uncomfortable. I, I never buy variants. as a comic book reader, I just get the standard cover. and um, I understand that I could likely make more money if I do that, but it's I'm very uninterested in the 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 collectorism <laughs> elements of both of those hobbies, both pinball and comics. Uh, I wish I w- I understand why pinball uh, companies make variants, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, different models. It's supported them. It's allowed them to keep doing what they're doing, and I think that's really great. I wish that pinball could exist on a single uh, model platform rather than, you know, pro premium LE type of thing. But, you know, the market's there, so they're giving the market what it wants. Uh, and I am not an LE market. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, from my collection, I, I am a sub, uh, pro market. I'm like, you know, very interested in electromechanical games. It's not to say I don't have solid state games. I've got a Williams whirlwind and a stern Spider-Man behind me right now. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I long for the days of the single model platform. I feel like it's more simple, uh, maybe a little more respectful, maybe that's going a little bit far, but <laughs> I wish they'd just chuck everything in the machine they wanted to make and, and put that out.
1: But, but you're still, I mean, not necessarily an LE model, like you're talking about, I am, I am a crazy collector, so I do like to collect variants, but, um, but you're still giving people the opportunity to have something like that is one of a kind. I mean, like going back to the ability to purchase like original drawings is still an opportunity for people to have something that is absolutely an original. So there's completely, yeah. So there's still, I mean, I really, I, I like that idea of like, look, like the comic is going to be the comic. I'm not, you know, there's no need to like create a, there's, there's no reason to have a, a, a variety of different ones. Cause it's like, it's, this is going to stand alone. This is going to be, this is what it is. Um, but you are giving people the opportunity to have something above and beyond just that book, you know? So there is, there is that opportunity for people to, to have that like special relationship with a project. That's what, that's one of the things that I, r- I really enjoy about collecting artwork by friends of mine is like I have a lot of friends who are creatives, and the fact that like I can have something that somebody made um, is I don't know. There's some there's something really special about that. There's a connection that you have to the artist when you have a piece that they sat down, spent the time to. I mean. You know, one of the things that's interesting is like looking at, looking at the, um, because the Kickstarter is offering these pages, like when you sit down and you start looking at the pages and start looking at the details or just like, you know, the, the lines, the pencil lines, or, um, I, the way that you're the way, cause I have the piece that I own of yours from the coin op carnival. It's like, there's like a blue, it's like a, there's a blue undertone drawing. I don't know what that's called. Um. But it's like when you start looking at the piece of art and like knowing that the artist sat down and their hand went to that paper and created that line, like that is a, you have a physical connection to that artist, Um, which I think is incredible that you're offering them up. And yeah, I don't know. There's something that's that's special about that.
2: Yeah, so thank you for, saving me for myself. (laughs) I I will occasionally get into this like myopic rut of thinking, well, I think this way. So everybody else must think this way. (laughs) And so uh, if you saw in the tiers, there's a standard book level, but there's also the next tier up is a signed book with a couple of limited edition prints. And that came about because I was having a conversation with some super readers of mine. I I have this group who's very interested in my work called the elephant eater champions. And we were having a meeting, uh, several months back and I was showing them, uh, previews of the book and talking about this Kickstarter and asking for their thoughts. And somebody said, uh, are you going to offer a signed version or, uh, can you, can you offer that for more money? And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. And like, I, Like who wants my signature? I don't know. And they're like, well, we would want your signature and we would pay for it. And and, uh, I'm like, well, I don't buy books with signatures. I just want to read the thing. And, but the whole conversation really opened my eyes to, okay, that's right. Like mine, my opinion is not the only one. And if folks are interested in uh, you know, a, more collectible piece like with a signature or limited edition prints or as you said a -a one-of-a-kind piece of original artwork then why not provide that so in in my mind having the signed book along with some additional uh content like those limited edition prints made it okay in my mind to raise the price a little bit for a signed book because i still feel really weird about charging for my signature. Like whenever I see people at conventions, at least in the before times, I haven't been to a convention since, you know, pinball expo 2019. Um, you know, I, of course I I would sign anything for free. I'm happy to do that. Um, but in this day and age where it's a little harder to see people face to face, then okay. Like, I, I don't know, that made more sense to me when somebody else said, well, i love collecting signatures i love for my books to be signed and i can understand that because i've you know got signatures from my favorite authors so if somebody feels that way about my work it that's super flattering so uh, so that's why that whole reward tier is there um while we're speaking of reward tiers um i wanted to highlight the next one up which is the book club reward tier uh i'm super excited about that one. And that's actually another suggestion by, uh, one of my champions, you know, the, this elephant eater champions group, uh, a fellow named Paul Patty, who's actually in the pinball community, uh, said, have you ever thought about a book club tier? And I'm like, well, tell me about that. And he's like, well, you know, like we're all meeting on zoom here right now. And you could potentially, uh, put up a limited, a tier where X number of people could hop in and then you would do a, like an artist presentation, and have a book discussion with uh, X number of people. And as soon as he said it, I thought that is the most brilliant idea. I've never seen it done on Kickstarter before. And once it happens, I cannot imagine any campaign being done without that reward tier moving forward. Like it's just so brilliant and simple so anyway all that to say i'm super excited to meet with a couple handfuls of people i'm limiting that reward tier to 10 people so it doesn't get too big and unwieldy and you know we can all actually have a conversation together um but but yeah i'm i'm planning some uh presentations and some behind the scenes stuff and some yet to be seen stuff to show folks who 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 nab that reward um And yeah, so I wanted to highlight that one, too, just in case that was a little too far down in the scroll. (laughs) I
1: would like to highlight the one above it, which is the insanely affordable... What is it? It's like seven copies for thirty-five dollars. Um, I'm not sure that you're really getting the whole idea of like trying to raise money by doing that. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure you're doing that correctly. But um, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, have I
2: mentioned? Have I mentioned? I hate money. <laughs>
1: no, look. I, I think I think your Kickstarter is. Um, I think it's a, like I said before, it's a no-brainer just to support you. Um, you know, I, I know that I, I supported your son. Your son had a Kickstarter. Owen had a Kickstarter. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I like going back to what you're saying about the community, the comics community and how everybody's kind of supporting each other through Kickstarter. It really is. Um, it really is a great platform for self-publishing and, to support i don't know like when i when i you know when i first when you first sent us to kickstarter and i scrolled down and i was like ten dollars for a copy shipped to me i mean that's kind of that doesn't seem right um <laughs> and you know but but going back to what you're saying you know it's kind of like i go back to the old like um you know i'm, I'm a big fugazi fan and um going back to like you know, Fugazi, they would they would have these shows for five dollars, and the whole idea was like, look, we don't need to make a ton of money. We just we want to make music, and I th- mm-hmm. and that's what I get from your Kickstarter and you know this campaign. It's like this isn't about making money. This is about publishing a book. This is about mm-hmm. getting something out there that's affordable. That is like you said, it's going li- to you know you're creating a legacy. You're having something that can live on and going and, and then touching on the signature thing, one of the things that I love about the idea of having signatures, um, especially by people I know it, it is that like that idea of like your hand spent that time, that moment scribbling your name, you know, like it was, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's kind of a silly thing, but there's something that's special to me that gives me a connection to the artist who's made that work. Um, so, yeah, the Kickstarter, Here. I think, is, um, I, you know, I, we, we obviously wish you nothing but success. And, you know, I think that it's, I really appreciate the fact that you're you're willing to put your stuff out there and say, look, like, as a community, we can get this done and we can make this. And then it's like, a, it's a cycle where it's like everybody's, you do it for the next person who's trying to get something published. And I think I, I've gotten into, I think because knowing you, and knowing, um, you know, like John Chad, like I've gotten more into the kind of underground comic scene, and it is really a really passionate group of people who are all, I mean, so much amazing stuff, and it is great that you guys are all able to kind of support one another in such a way that there's a lot of
2: really, really good material being created right now. Um, Completely, and by groups and people that were would never get the time of day from a major, major publisher. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that doesn't make it any less valid, uh, just because it's not commercially viable doesn't mean it's not interesting or important or, you know, anything. So yeah, I, I just think that Kickstarter is this great democratization tool to allow many different voices, uh, a larger platforms. I could talk about Kickstarter till I'm blue in the face, but (laughs) I'm a big fan.
1: Uh, Um, all right. So, you know, I think everybody should support the Kickstarter. Um, I do want to talk, I want you to talk a little bit about your background, like just projects you've been doing. Um, I mean, you've, you've had a, a lot of incredible projects that you've been working on. Um, but also like where elephant eater comics came from and where elephant eater comics will be going in like what you see like in the next couple
2: years totally um so hopping in the way back machine 2004 was the first comic i put out that was my the first issue of my autobiographical series called and then one day and i know elephant eater comics is kind of a funny name Uh, but it's based on a saying that my dad would tell me and all my brothers and sisters as we were growing up, he'd say, well, it's like eating an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. And before you know it, you're done. So I kind of keep that phrase in mind for many points of my life, you know, from going through school to getting a degree to making a book to, you know raising a kid and, you know, all sorts of different stuff is it's applicable to. Um, so anyway, uh, that was a really meaningful uh, life philosophy to me, which is why I named my company that. Um, and, you know, over the years I've done auto comics mainly, and then hopped into uh coin op carnival with Nick uh, in 2019 is when we published it. Uh, we were working for Two and a half years before that, on it, but um, so that was my one of my more recent publications with Nick that I'm so gosh darn proud of. I mean, I I just cannot tell you what a, a, a joy, a pleasure, uh, source of pride, Coin Op Carnival is for me. Um, and, and I think I think Nick would probably say the same thing too. <laughs> um, but the whole reason this. Uh, more singular solo project came about is because we were working on coin Op carnival number two and it got a little derailed because we were working with someone who decided they wanted to step away from the project. And uh, this is not Nick. Nick and I are still just, you know, the best of friends. Um, but this person decided that they wanted to step away, which meant that a bunch of artwork that I created was rendered unpublishable. And I had everything from spot illustrations to full page illustrations to double page spreads that were just detailed as all get out to full blown pages of comics and it's all useless. I can never show it, it's done. So that knocked a lot of wind out of my creative sales when that happened. And, uh, if you look back about a year ago when I started doing like a gaming podcast and like, that's what was going on in my life. Like, I don't even know if I knew exactly what was happening then, but in looking back, I could see like, oh, okay. I needed some space from comics and I just needed to sort of like venture out on my own for a minute. And, um, you know i i had a, a a come to jesus moment with nick where i told him i'm like look man i think i just need to do a solo project right now and that was really really hard for me to do uh because i love nick he's you know he's not just a friend he's family and so is his family but you know nick as well as i do he's he's a saint and um yeah, he was just so so cool about it. So, um anyway, I I launched into this uh a Hunter's Tale project and I've been sharing pages with him ever since I did and um once this project is wrapped, you know, you were asking about what's in store for Elephant Eater Comics and Ryan Clater moving forward. Um so after this project wraps and I fulfill uh all the orders, Uh, I'm going to be working with Nick on a couple things. One thing we have in the fire is uh, Robo Frenzy and he has done all of his work, uh, which means uh, I should probably rewind a little bit. Robo Frenzy is our, scratch build, electromechanical arcade game that we conceived of together. And he is doing the mechanics and I am doing the artwork for it. Um, So I'm gonna be working on artwork for that, as well as jumping back into Coin-Op Carnival number two. Those are gonna be next projects. Uh, I don't know exactly when those will see the light of day, so I can't uh, give you any dates on those, but uh, that's where my mind's gonna be after A Hunter's Tale.
0: I'm going to take a wild guess and assume that's when Nick went on his uh, rampage of
2: programming P3 games as well. <laughs> Nick Nick is a force of nature. He was doing that even before I had my existential artist crisis. Um yeah, he I cannot keep up with him. I don't know that anyone can. No. Like he has multiple projects in the fire at any one time because no one can keep up with him like i cannot art as fast as he writes i cannot art as fast as he programs or builds or anything you know i'm i'm the weak link in all our projects
1: <laughs> if if you watch nick play ddr you understand like, <laughs> you you will understand how quickly that his brain triggers because it is out of this world Like it is, it is, it's amazing. I mean, I'm really fortunate that Nick is like about a 15 minute drive from me. Um, and I cannot wait to get back over there now that like everybody's getting vaccinated and stuff, but yeah, it's like you walk into Nick's space and it's, it's, it's neat. It's tidy. But then he starts like showing you like the projects and you like see the new, you're like, wait, was that new? Um, what what's going on and like (laughs) where are you doing all these things and where you know where's the time it's yeah it's it's pretty impressive uh and i know that i know that coin op carnival really just consumed you guys um and it's yeah it's like you can see the passion in that project um which is it's still like one of one of my favorite like things in my collection um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about what you guys did with that, and I and I'm super excited to add uh, the Hunter's Tale to my collection as well. So i will, I will be getting a I will be getting a signed copy. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I will be getting a signed copy for sure. Um, but look, I think we've got to wrap it up for the Kickstarter. Certainly, like, cannot wait to talk to you again where we can talk more about you know just what you've been doing in pinball with. You know your watch releases and the neon and all the other projects you have going on, um, but yeah, wish wish you nothing but success with the Kickstarter, and I have um, no doubt that you will succeed. And yeah,
2: look forward to having a copy of your book in my hand. Thank you so much, Taylor. That means a lot to me. That Coinop Carnival is among your favorite. That's, that's so cool for me to hear because, you know, Nick and I just poured everything we had into that and we can't wait to do another one. So, so thank you for those words. And I would love to talk with you about watches or neon or pinball illustration or or whatever next time. Um, but just to give you a little scoop Taylor, because I know you were a buyer of Ricochet, which is my most recent watch, the robots playing pinball. Yes. Uh, Just to give you a brief scoop, um, Mr. Jones Watches is doing a reissue of that and it should be out. If not by the time this podcast airs, then very, very soon. We're looking at, you know, very early 2022 for a ricochet reissue. So there's, there's a little scoop for you and, and your listeners, <laughs> ah,
1: man. I will, um, uh, see now I'm like, as a collector, I'm like, well, I have to have both. I'm really, <laughs>
0: I have to, I'm like, I missed out on the last one by 14 minutes. Oh, so man. I'm oh, man. getting on it here.
1: <laughs> I, I, I scooped that man. Like I was, I was on top of it. And I will say like their ordering process, not to dive into that a little bit, but their ordering process, like I didn't understand because like, I was like, Oh, over here I choose I you choose the number because it's a limited edition. So you choose the number and then I I chose like number nine or something because that showed it as available and then I went to check out and it wasn't. And so I was like, oh, somebody got that. And then I just started like trying. Like I was like, okay, okay. And then finally I was like, nobody's going for number forty two. Or something like that, <laughs> and so that's that's the way I got it. And yeah, it sold out mm. so quick. And then people, yeah, I, I, I was watching, and people were like, "Wait, are they are they gone?" And it was like, "Yeah." Um, and I had actually, I had bought two. <laughs> I bought two because I didn't realize you could only buy one. Uh, yeah, so I'm. Um, yeah, I might have to get the other one. I'm mad. I missed the first one. I couldn't. I couldn't pull the trigger when you came out with the. Um, the carnival one, which is, is, is still so great, but, um, well look, plug, um, we're running out of time. So please plug once again, your Kickstarter, your Patreon, and just tell people where they can, uh, they can find your work.
2: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So uh I, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Ryan Clater. And the place I really want people to go right now is ahunterstail.com. Ahhunterstale.com will get you to the Kickstarter campaign we've been talking about and get you a glimpse of this uh comic book poem by my grandfather and I.
1: And we w- we will put a link to um the Kickstarter. We'll have it in our Instagram, we'll have it on our Facebook page. We'll plug you wherever we can plug you so um, that will get that will get done
2: perfect thank you so
1: much yeah man thank you for um, thank you for coming on and talking to us about it it's um yeah, yeah it's a great project man congrats the,
2: this was super fun I, I hope we can chat again soon sounds good we'll talk to you guys later all
1: right guys um, yeah thanks Ryan and um, yeah so everybody check out check out Ryan's Kickstarter please support it and um, yeah and until next time
0: Sometimes I think of old friends but they all seem the same Then I see them and they can't remember my name I guess I'm just like them, I guess I'm just a bore Another bad dream. I can help myself.